This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 12, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. 22 countries have now ratified the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, bringing the trade deal into effect. And yet Africa's biggest country by population and economy, Nigeria, isn't among them. We spoke with Alex Hammond, a senior fellow at African Liberty, about what this free trade deal might mean for the massive continent. Gambia was the most recent country to sign on to the African continental free trade area. That that makes 22 countries. Mm-hmm. And so this free trade agreement among African nations and a couple of others can now go into effect. What does that mean? Yeah, so that means that 90%, once it's implemented, 90% of the tariffs on the goods traded between the member states will be removed. Um, that's especially good for Africa because Africa has a very low amount of inter-regional trade when you compare it to other continents. So in Europe and Asia, for example, their inter-regional trade accounts for 69% or 59% of their GDP, um, of their total exports, whereas in Africa, it's just 18%. Um, The UN Economic Commission for Africa has predicted that just in the next few years, once this trade agreement is implemented, Interregional trade in Africa could increase by up to 52%. And once the final 10% of tariffs are removed on, quote, sensitive goods, this could then double even further. So, I mean, you think about the United States, uh, Canada and Mexico are our number one and number three trading partners, respectively. And the United States, of all the countries on the planet, might be able to boast, well, we don't have to trade with anybody. We can produce all sorts of things. But, of course, there are huge benefits to Uh, the United States to engage in lots of trade with lots of different countries around the world. Um, What was driving this decision to move ahead with free trade? Africa does not seem like uh, a continent on the planet that, frankly, would be very focused on on these kinds of of issues. Yeah. So I guess that's what's really interesting about this agreement is that it represents an ideological shift in the continent. Um, After independence, many African nations turned towards socialism. In many places, they saw colonialism and capitalism as one and the same. And as the former tends to be exploitative and evil, they assumed the latter was as well. Um, Kwame Nkrumah, which was the first leader of Ghana in 1957, is called often called the father of African socialism. Um, he encouraged many of the African nations to pursue, quote, a complete ownership of the economy by the state after independence. And as a stream of countries do so, Senghor in, Se- in Senegal, Touré in Guinea, Kwanda in Zambia, they all went down the socialist road. And what followed was oppression, poverty, and quite often dictatorships. So this new agreement, which was led in 2018 when it was first proposed in March by Paul Kagame, who's the leader of Rwanda, and he was also the leader of the AU, the African Union at the time, he describes himself as an avid free trader which is very interesting. And he calls himself a disciple of Lee Kuan Yew, who was the leader of Singapore um, when they underwent a huge free trade policy shift. Um, Similarly, the president of Niger has basically said most leaders in Africa want free trade and an Africa free trade area. And this is represented in fact that 52 countries have signed up out of the 55 to show their support for the agreement. I was looking at a, a map of Africa of countries that have signed on to uh, this free trade agreement. Most of them are coastal. 
And so I imagine they expect a, a lot to come into their port cities uh, and then extend those benefits by trading elsewhere with other countries with, within Africa. Yeah, so it's not just interregional trade and intercontinental trade. This trade deal could increase. But having one sing having all your countries under a single customs union makes it far easier for external countries to trade with you. Um, if all 55 countries in Africa united under the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, it would be the fifth largest economy in the world um, of three trillion US dollars GDP. Um, and this is perfectly in line with John Bolton's uh, Africa strategy, which he outlined in December, where he was advocating far more commercial ties with the region, um, being slightly more careful and restricted with aid and to increase our economy. Um, and previously, just a couple of years ago, the USTR, the United States Trade Representative, has released reports noting the difficulty in trading with each individual African country. So them being united under a single customs union makes it far easier to do trade deals and open themselves up to the world. So Nigeria has uh, not signed it. Uh, why? It's, I mean, you say it's the largest economy in Africa. Why haven't they signed it? Yeah, Nigeria is the largest economy in Africa, 17% of Africa's entire GDP is with Nigeria. Um, but South Africa, which is 16% of the continent's GDP, has signed on. But Nigeria hasn't, mainly because the trade unions in Nigeria don't want it. Uh, in Nigeria, trade unions have huge influence, um, and especially the National Labour Congress has lobbied the government successfully into not signing on to this deal. Um, the, the president of the National Labour Congress labelled this deal as an evil neoliberal scheme um, and all that nonsense. So we're not sure if they'll sign up. But saying that, just a couple of weeks ago, Zimbabwe said they wouldn't ratify the agreement for at least 15 years. Two days later, they ratified it. So, it, it, I mean, it seems like Nigeria would be left in a position where they, that country, despite you know, its position as, as a leader uh, of African uh, economic output, uh, could be left behind if, if more countries sign on to this agreement and... I mean, they could be surrounded essentially by countries that have signed on to this trade agreement. Yeah, I do agree with you. But what's important to note is this trade agreement isn't necessarily a magic bullet in itself for the countries which are members. Being able to trade freely is great, but you need something to be able to trade in the first place. And the only way to ensure that is having strong rule of law, strong property rights. Um, and as we see on the Fraser Institute's Economic Freedom of World Report, Africa, African nations consistently lag behind in these areas. So having free trade is great, but you need to have the commodities in the first place, which some countries are lacking. So Nigeria may be left behind, but they have got a manufacturing sector that other countries uh, are still aspiring to in Africa. Okay. So maybe the, do you think that this would encourage these other countries to uh, strengthen the rule of law, provide uh, businesses more avenues to uh, bring legal challenges and things like that in order to assure that the investments that they're making uh, in their countries uh, will be paid off. Yeah, absolutely. I hope opening the economies up to the rest of the world encourages stronger property rights, especially because they're fully aware that if they don't have strong property rights, that investors from America, from Europe, will be very unwilling to enter their economy. Um, as you see in South Africa over the last couple of years, as they have weakened their property rights, um, talking of the idea of land expropriation without compensation, uh, foreign direct investment has decreased substantially. 
So this is the payoff for weaker property rights, and they will have to ensure they remain strong to encourage outside investment. Alex Hammond is a senior fellow at African Liberty. He also writes for humanprogress.org. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 